Despite all the larger bank's setbacks, though, and the growing frustrations, the team continued to rack up strong profits. In the middle of 2001, Demchak was told he would be promoted. In addition to running global credit, he was told he would be given responsibility for derivatives and the commodities section, making him one of the most senior investment bankers in New York. But to the shock of his team, the very day after he was offered his new job, he tendered his resignation. I just cannot do this anymore, he declared. When the team heard the news, some of them cried, not only because Demchak was leaving, but because they knew his departure also spelled the end of their remarkable run together. The team would never be the same without him. Demchak was immediately approached by rival banks that were building their derivatives groups. Goldman Sachs was particularly persistent. But Demchak felt too exhausted and disenchanted to move right away to another bank. He also had no burning need to work. The value of stock held by managers of the J.P. Morgan side of the bank had surged with the merger. So for a while, Demchak dreamed of dropping out of finance to fulfill a long-standing desire to train to become a boat builder. He traveled to the coast of Maine, finding it therapeutic to work with wood and traditional tools, and to hang out with craftsmen who knew nothing about credit derivatives and cared less. In time, he persuaded some of them to decamp from Maine to the Hamptons, where Demchak had a house. In due course, Demchak toyed with the idea of joining a hedge fund or a private equity group, but he decided he simply didn't want to spend so much of his time staring at a computer screen again. Eventually, in 2002, he accepted an offer from PNC, the Pittsburgh-based lender becoming vice-chairman. Far from the glamour of Wall Street and the esoteric world of high finance, PNC afforded Demchak the chance to return to his Pittsburgh roots. The offer was also alluring because the bank was badly in need of Demchak's particular skills in managing risk. When the Internet bubble burst, PNC had almost imploded from losses— and it desperately needed to remodel its balance sheet and credit portfolio to reduce its risk burden. That was music to Demchak's ears. PNC's balance sheet was tiny compared to J.P. Morgan's, but it was large enough to offer plenty of challenge, and Demchak was being given the chance to apply all his theories about credit management just as he saw fit, with no internal bureaucratic fighting required. Managers at the Pittsburgh Bank were hungry for his ideas on loan portfolio management, and Demchak was keen to get it right, third time around. The bruising fights from earlier years had taught him some painful lessons. By 2002, he was wiser when dealing with critics, and less ideological in propounding his views. The former Prince of Darkness had matured. Better still, he was able to take a number of his beloved team with him, Krishna Varakuti was keen to follow him for one. Back at J.P. Morgan Chase, once Demchak had decamped, the rest of his team quickly followed suit. Like pollen seeds, the former team scattered across the financial world, implanting their ideas into dozens of firms. Terry Duhan was lured away to ABN AMRO, while Betsy Guile, the credit manager, joined Deutsche Bank, where she helped to remodel the German bank's credit portfolio. Romita Shetty, the Indian banker, went first to Royal Bank of Scotland and then to Lehman Brothers. A number of the team either started or joined investment funds. Andrew Feldstein left to launch a hedge fund. 
Over in London, Tim Frost became a partner in the investment fund Cairn Capital. Jonathan Laredo, a credit analyst in London, joined another fund called Solent, and Charles Pardue created Pirtania, a consultancy and fund. Hedge funds hadn't played much in the credit sphere before, but the credit derivatives explosion was creating a host of new trading opportunities that they began to find attractive. The good thing about the credit markets at the moment is that they are liquid enough to trade, but not so evolved that there are no price inefficiencies, Feldstein observed after setting up his fund. Hedge funds thrive on exploiting such discrepancies in the market's pricing of assets. Hedge funds are becoming so big in the credit derivative sphere now that it is fair to say that the torch of innovation is being passed from the banks to the funds, observed Frost around the same time.